You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. I also write for the LA Football Network, and this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. We have a really fun interview for you guys today because on today's show, we're going to be talking to the host of the Locked On Seminoles podcast, Max Moody, getting into not just Asante Samuel Jr., who obviously was a standout player at Florida State, but we're also going to talk about at the end of the show, Trey McKitty and maybe some reasons to be excited about him going to the Chargers, including his receiving ability, which Max Moody thinks might actually be his best ability, even though We know the Chargers brought him in to be a blocking tight end first. Everything after that will be kind of the cherry on top. So in the second and third segments, we'll be talking with Locked On Seminoles. But to start the show today, I thought it would be fun to kind of take a look at Justin Herbert, the prodigal son, and just look at what we kind of expect from him going into his second season. Obviously, rookie of the year, tons of expectations, but at the same time has a brand new coaching staff has all of that kind of weighing on him potentially, even though he doesn't really seem like the guy that lets these things get to him. You never know how you know a good first season is going to affect a quarterback going forward, especially one that's having the changes that Justin Herbert has. So we'll start there and also talk about how the draft picks for the Chargers this year will help potentially Justin Herbert in his second season to try to avoid a sophomore slump. But if you guys don't already, make sure you go follow the Peacock and Williamson podcast wherever you get your podcast from. For me, it's the easiest way to get everything I need in my busy day all around the NFL, not just about one specific team. They're great over there. So if you guys need a little help finding you know, a show that you can kind of jam in everything going on in the NFL world, Peacock and Williamson is the place to go. But let's get into Justin Herbert, David. And of course, we have to just start with the amazing season that was. 15 games, offensive rookie of the year. The way he comes into being the Chargers starting quarterback who... You know, was supposed to be sitting a season Patrick Mahomes style right on the sideline before he got his chance to start, gets in and then, you know, puts together one of the most impressive rookie seasons that we've ever seen. But he's a backup for a reason, right, Daniel? Yeah, Anthony Lynn would tell you that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, good old coach Anthony Lynn. Uh, obviously, he proved that wrong and he did that emphatically. In 15 games, 4,336 passing yards, 36 Total touchdowns, 31 through the air, 5 rushing on the ground, 66.6 completion percentage, uh, and also on the ground, 55 rushes, 234 yards, good for 4.3 yards per carry, adding that other element to the Chargers offense. I just think that after year one, Daniel, he proved that he can do a little bit of everything. And he was in too, right? Still to this day, he was in. So he definitely is a multi-talented guy who... Picked this offense up last season quicker than we ever could have thought. I mean, didn't even believe Coach Anthony Lynn when he was being brought into the game, and neither did Hunter Henry, right? So there was a lot of things there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, (laughs) unexpected start against the reigning Super Bowl champs was not something we thought we'd be talking about 
with Justin Herbert. And for a split second, we kind of thought was a secret plan to get him into the game before we realized that Tyrod Taylor's lung was punctured by a team Conspiracy doctor. theorist. Exactly. But now it's time to kind of project what's going to happen going into year two because we've seen it all across the league. I mean, you have Baker Mayfield who... Justin Herbert actually broke his touchdown record last year in those 15 games. Baker also didn't have a full season either, but we also saw a huge dip from Baker going into year two. And there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have had sophomore slumps going into their second season after, you know, showing a promising start as a rookie. But then you also have guys like Lamar Jackson who are impressive as a rookie. And then the next year they're the NFL MVP, right? So we've seen it happen so many different ways and sophomore slumps are a real thing for some quarterbacks and Justin Herbert is in a position where he has, you know, his fifth or sixth offensive coordinator in the last six seasons. He has a brand new guy in Joe Lombardi who has only one stint as an offensive coordinator and it wasn't very successful with the Detroit Lions. There's a lot of factors still kind of working against Justin Herbert going into his second year. So David, are you worried at all about a sophomore slump? I mean, I think I'm a little bit worried only because of so much newness. I mean, you you said it in the beginning, so many different offensive coordinators. And this is another one with Joe Lombardi and a new offense, a new offensive philosophy. You have a lot of the same faces for the most part of the skill positions with a few additions in the draft. But I mean, for the most part, that aspect is going to be the same. But I mean, in this offseason, you don't know how much these guys are going to be able to get together to really get that chemistry so they can go out there and and he can know the offense command the offense and go out there and execute the offense at a high level with that being said the chargers have just done a phenomenal job of revamping and absolutely retooling one of the worst offensive lines in the league this offseason through free agency and the draft i think it's going to make a monumental impact for him to have the time to be able to, to make the throws out there and go off script if he wants to but I mean, I think that's just a, such an important factor to, to mention in year two that is going to allow him to go out there and have a good leap instead, instead of a sophomore slump. Yeah, I mean, exactly. He has a lot of things now working in his favor as well. I mean, the offensive line with Rashawn Slater, with the free agency additions of Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, and Odea Bushi, even maybe, you know, some competition there with Brendan Hymas. I mean, the Chargers finally kind of took that seriously during this offseason. So, yeah, as much as he is in a new offense, we have seen quarterback slump before. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic as well that Justin Herbert could keep getting better, and I don't think there's any doubt that he will continue to grow. Yes, he might have a rough, you know, second season in the league. And one of the things about him last year was he did have the 10 interceptions, which is not a lot for a quarterback in 16 games or 15 games. As a rookie, I mean, not by any means. Ask Peyton Manning's 28 rookie interceptions. Well, and he learned from his mistakes, too. I mean, he made throws earlier in the year that he did not make later on in the year, and I think that shows his growth. Absolutely. I mean, namely, week two at Kansas City, he rolls out to the left, tries to throw back to Keenan Allen across his body. It gets intercepted. The next week, he ends up having the same exact play for the most part, and he ends up running the football instead and hanging on to it. We don't have to talk about how the next play was an interception, I believe. But, yes, you saw him learn throughout the season. And he also didn't have a ton of dropped interceptions either. I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes, and obviously he's otherworldly. But I think he had, like, the most dropped interceptions last year. It was, like, 16 dropped interceptions. So, like, he also didn't really get lucky in that category either. But the Chargers also really looked at this draft class and tried to improve 
Justin Herbert's life. You take Rashawn Slater 13th overall. You end up bringing in more offensive line depth in the fifth round with Brandon Hymas, who we do think is a legitimate you know, guard, tackle, flexible type of player that could be good depth and a starter down the road potentially for the Chargers. And then you also look at what they did with Josh Palmer and Trey McKitty, two more guys, two more offensive weapons. And I think, David, that is another promising thing. I mean, any coach, we just talked about this, can say, oh, we want to put our players in the best position to succeed. We're going to build an offense around Justin Herbert. All of these things, all those things are nice. All of those things are easy to say. But at the same time, we at least see the Chargers trying to go for it. I mean, these are guys that truly will help Justin Herbert. Yeah, and I love the fact that they take Josh Palmer in the third round uh, and a guy who he can grow with. He, he can really you know, get that connection, get that chemistry down, and potentially turn into a really good connection. I mean, I was uh, admittedly surprised when they took him in the third round, but after watching him, I'm like, man, this is a guy who can really help uh, Justin Herbert. I, I really think they're going to be able to form a good connection. And an under-the-radar uh, addition that's going to help is the running back Larry Roundtree. I really love his pass protection ability. Uh, I think as a guy who, who can come in on downs where they need to do a little more max protect, um, as well as Trey McKitty, obviously, I I like his his blocking ability. He's going to help both as a pass protector and as and as a run blocker, which is also going to help the offense be more efficient. Which by by product is going to help Justin Herbert. If you run the ball more effectively, your play action is better. You just have more success on the football field. So I like that they brought in guys that are versatile and can apply their game and help the offense in multiple different ways. Yeah, and hopefully the addition of Larry Roundtree means less QB sneaks, sneak attempts at the goal line. I mean, let your running back who's a running back do those things if you can, right? Because I think we saw Herbert take some pretty big hits trying to do that last year. So hopefully now that brings in a little bit more help. But it's hard to kind of quantify how big it is for the Chargers to get Rashawn Slater to protect his blind side. I mean, that's such an important position, especially for a right-handed quarterback. I mean, talented edge rushers come off of each side, and Justin Herbert had an uncanny ability of pocket presence in his rookie season, something that I really didn't see coming. At the same time, I just think these draft picks, whether it's Roundtree or Trey McKitty, who gives you some more kind of move tight end flexibility where you can move him around, you can run more misdirection and things like that that you might not have been able to do before, and you have a better run-blocking team as well as a run-blocking tight end. This year, you might not see him put up the crazy amount of passing attempts that he had last year, but you probably will see him be more effective. So I think both of us still think that the sky is the limit for this kid. Obviously, he has the brains. He has the physical abilities. We still have to kind of leave some room to say, hey, it's okay if he doesn't come out of the box just firing on all cylinders, right? I mean, that is a possibility the kid will figure it out even if he struggles early on. And the Chargers still have their franchise quarterback and somebody that everybody should be excited about. And we have pretty high expectations for him going into his second season. But we have high expectations for another guy that the Chargers just drafted. And that's Asante Samuel Jr., who we think could potentially start for the Chargers right away next year with the absence of Casey Hayward. So we're going to talk with Max Moody from the Locked On Seminoles podcast. And he's going to tell us how to feel about Asante Samuel Jr. and what he loved from his game the most, as well as wrapping up the show by talking about Trey McKitty, another guy who will be potentially a part of the offense too. And we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. 
To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, just text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increases energy and lean muscle mass. Nugenics Total Tea is a great way to increase the lean muscle and you can feel stronger with more energy and endurance. And like the TV ads say, she'll like it too. Text right now and you guys can get a free bottle of the Nugenics Thermo, the most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Just text DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. I also need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked on Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. I love sports betting, guys. I know you hear me talk about it all the time. And right now, NFL futures are definitely where I've been sticking to because I think there's a lot of really good bets. I think the Chargers have, you know, some pretty good odds to win the AFC West, or at least it's a pretty good bet if you want to, you know, put a little money down to win a lot. That's one I've been looking at for sure. But you can get all of the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs with betonline.ag for MLB, NBA, NHL, and even UFC. A big fight this weekend with Oliveira and Chandler. I mean, that's one I'm excited about. I'll definitely have some money on the line. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore, guys. This is your chance to get in on the game. Just head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, we are back here with the guest that we've been talking to you guys about, someone to come break down some Florida State products for us. We know the Chargers love their Florida State players, and now they have Derwin James and Asante Samuel Jr., namely as two guys we expect expect to be starting for them this season. So we are going to be joined today by one of the hosts of the Locked On Seminoles podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Seminoles Anonymous. We have Max Moody here. Max, thanks for coming on the show with us, man. Really appreciate you coming on and excited to get into some insight, not just even about Asante Samuel Jr., but also about Trey McKitty, who spent three seasons as a Seminole. Absolutely, man. Happy to be here. So it's at Knowles Anonymous or find me at Max Moody 17. I think there's an underscore in there. There's not a ton of Max <laughs> Moody's, but you'll find them. No, I'm, I'm excited to be here. You know, I think, uh, you know, y'all can kind of direct me wherever you want to go, but I'm sure your fans have probably read everything there is to read about Asante. I, uh, you know, I, I listened to y'all's episode from uh, two days ago and, you know, his name comes up quite a bit. So I'm hoping I can give a little more maybe mentality type stuff, you know, behind the scenes stuff on him that maybe doesn't, doesn't show up on the stat sheet. For sure. And I mean, I think one of those things, I mean, that's kind of hard to quantify is just the way he plays, right? He's such an aggressive player. He obviously plays with a ton of tenacity, which when you're his size, I mean, helps you out a lot for sure. But what were some of those underlying things that you saw at, you know, Florida State that you really liked the most about Asante Samuel Jr.? What can Charger fans kind of expect? So I think with Asante, you have to go back even further. If if I was going to throw one word out there, it would be professional. He He's a true professional in, in every sense of the word. I say that because you go back, and as all of you know, his father was Asante Samuel Sr., all-pro cornerback, you know, but the middle in between there is what I'm looking at. So he went to St. Thomas Aquinas, <clears throat> which I believe has the most uh, draft picks of any high school in the nation. I had my big brother in my fraternity went there bunch of my friends went there that is an nfl program like i admittedly i don't really watch pro football I, saturdays are football so sundays have to get devoted to golf 
but you know, uh, some big uh, pro player just went back to coach there, but it is a, a booster program. The coach makes 150 grand a year. You know, there's a professional weight room. You are treated like a pro athlete there. Then he goes to Florida state <clears throat> and you have to look at the years that Asante was at Florida state. He wasn't here in 2013. He was here when we sucked. We have not been any good at football and he still conducted himself like a professional, turned himself into a three and done, you know, had three picks last year, 30 tackles during a COVID year. We only played, I think, nine games. So that's that's really the the between the ears of Asante is he, the, football has been a business for him his entire life. His childhood, his livelihood was built on it. That was instilled in him in high school, instilled in him in college. And I, I think he's going to take it with him to the league. One of the main reasons that Samuel seemed to slide in the draft was that he's probably a little bit undersized. Obviously, there could be some durability concerns at his size, but how often do you see his size actually affect his play on the field? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think it's the big one, right, is is do we need to worry? The, the thing about him is he does play with tenacity. He does play with aggression, but to quote every little league dad ever with three bourbons in him at the tailgate, you can't coach size. I mean, it is a factor. It, it, you'd have to be blind not to see it. You know, when the one thing about him, I think that would be a negative is his open field tackling. If he has to wrap up, he goes in a little high. He's not great at open field tackling. He's very good at, at the line tackling at right after the catch tackling when he can kind of dive at legs a lot like his dad, frankly. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where size hurts him the most. I think, look, the reality is it's the NFL. There's going to be times where he's going to have to try to cover someone that's got six, eight inches on him. That's going to be a problem. I think when I look at Asante, you have to understand what he is and you have to look at what y'all need. I don't, again, I kind of listen to your episodes, but I'm not totally sure what the chargers need. He is a great, probably boundary or slot man coverage cornerback. I would not, you know, you don't really want him on the outside against a six foot five guy that can out jump him. It's not, He'll do his best, but that's just not who he is. So, yeah, the size is, is very much, very much a, a limitation, I think. Well, and I mean, let's be honest, if he's six foot one, maybe he's a top 10 pick, right? Just because of all the other intangibles he brings to the table. But it does play a factor. It is also nice that you've seen the prototype in Asante Samuel Senior go out there and do it and prove it against, you know, big receivers and really good players. But one of the things that I noticed just from watching even some of the oldest games from him at Florida State was just the fact that it didn't all start out, you know, great for him. I mean, I'm sure just with that name, he comes in and you're kind of expecting a lot just because, you know, it's the son of Asante Samuel Sr. But I saw a major improvement during his time there. I mean, even leading up to his opt out this year with the three picks that he had. What were some of the biggest improvements you saw from him having watched him, you know, the three seasons he was there? Yeah, so... I think I think with him, it was an addition by subtraction. You'll read in every article, this is nothing groundbreaking. People talk about his instincts. What I think people discount is that the best instinctive cornerbacks are also the ones, you know, they give up the most home runs or strike, you know, it's strikeout or home run, right? He got a lot better at staying with his man. Go back to his freshman year and watch, uh, I think it's the Clemson game. He gets beat two or three times on double moves and it like, ugly. I mean, just a tiny little jab step and then a break. He bites on the jab step. He got a lot better at handling the double move by his senior year because he got more patient and allowed himself to use those instincts when it was a for sure thing. You know, I think one criticism with him still is 
he he tries too hard to guess what the receiver's doing and doesn't always get his eyes on the quarterback to read those those cues and really see if he's right. But again, he's he's improved, I would say, tenfold in becoming an actual technique corner over just instincts in three years. Get him NFL coaches. I I I, I don't think that'll be much of a problem. With the release of Casey Hayward, their longtime corner, there's a good chance that Samuel's going to be asked to start for the Chargers pretty much right away. Do you think that he's going to have a smooth transition to the NFL, or do you uh, foresee him p- potentially struggling a little bit early on? You know, that that's a good question. I admittedly, I keep saying that. They're all good questions. Come on. Uh, but now, admittedly, I, I don't know enough about the, the conference y'all play in to say that. What I will say is I don't think he's someone you want I used this analogy with my co-host earlier on the show when we were talking off camera. He's like the best lawnmower on the market, right? Phenomenal lawnmower, can take down anything, but he can't go drag race. It's just a different skill set. You know, if y'all need a one to three down, you know, first to third down guy who can cover anyone on the field, who can make tackles, come up and help with the run, I don't know if that's him. If you, again, need a lockdown corner that on passing downs is going to make sure his guy doesn't catch the ball 95% of the time, that's exactly what you need him for. So take that however you want to answer that question based on your team needs. But do I think, let me, let me say this, let me give you a, a non-liquor lobbyist answer. Uh, I think he could absolutely man cover anyone in the NFL right now. So if that's what he's being asked to do, I absolutely think he's going to be ready to start after camp. Yeah, and I think it's less, you know, was transition be smooth or what's the way to use him to make his transition the most smooth? And, you know, kind of what we've heard from you there is put him in man coverage, you know, give him a chance to just cover guys and one-on-one and don't necessarily make him a major contributor in the running game. But at least he has the willingness in the running game because, I mean, one thing – True. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's like you either have it or you don't as a corner is you either want to tackle or you don't want to tackle – seemingly especially with this year's prospect so I think that there obviously is a role for him it's just how do you use him best and with Brandon Staley you use Jalen Ramsey with a lot of man-on-man kind of coverages just to help the rest of the players on the field he does bring some of that so I think that is something to get excited about but one of the things that you might not think about is the Chargers actually took two players who played at Florida State this year in the draft because Trey McKitty before all six receptions that he had at Georgia was actually a Florida State seminal for three seasons and someone that Max here likes a lot. So in the next segment coming up, we're going to talk about Trey McKitty and what he brings to the table as one of the surprise Chargers draft picks that maybe had a lot of Chargers fans. Not the most excited. Maybe Max here can get us a little bit more excited about it. And we're going to get into that coming up right after this. All right, guys. Well, before we get back with Max Moody, I do have to tell you guys that the best protein bar in the world is undoubtedly Built Bar. Built Bar is my go-to protein bar, especially with the diets I've been on lately. It's perfect for them. It's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-fiber, high-protein. And the best part, the most important thing, hands down, is they all taste great. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. You have a ton of flavors to choose from. Variety is the spice of life, and you can choose from peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, coconut almond, just to name a few of them. And right now, we can even save you guys a little bit of money today. If you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all caps, one word for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
All right, guys, we're back here with Max Moody, and you can find the Locked On Seminoles podcast. If you're trying to find him on Twitter, you can find him at Knowles Anonymous is where they do most of their posting. You can find him on Twitter, too, if you search Max Moody with some sort of underscore or something along there. So well, there's 17 on the end because I made yeah. it in 2017. I was very there you go. I mean, at least it's not one of the ones that has like six numbers after. Those are usually the ones that will give you some issues. But I do want to talk about Trey McKitty, too, because admittedly when we wanted to talk to you i was thinking about asante samuel jr i wasn't even making the trey mckitty connection but the most productive time hands down in trey mckitty's career was his time at florida state where he was actually you know pretty good receiver a huge part of the offense but he was undoubtedly one of the biggest surprises in the draft and i'm sure as someone who follows and covers florida state you had a, a sense that he would be drafted right he's one of the few a handful of guys you know, along with you know, a couple of edge rushers, Hampson Nazareth being a guy we really liked. You knew the guys that had a chance to get drafted. We didn't necessarily know it was going to be in the third round. So were you surprised, as most Charger fans were, when the Chargers decided to pick him up in the third round? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was like uh, I was like Will Ferrell and Elf, right, when they picked him. It was like Trey McKinney. I was like, I know him. You know, I didn't expect to see a name <laughs> I knew pop up that, that early. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think Trey McKinney really – I don't want to, like – get too into his decision to transfer but i will say after the transfer i don't think he was the right fit for the georgia scheme the way that they expect him to be you know willie taggart for for some of his flaws that man knew how to creatively use the tight end position he used it in a very athletic way you look he loved to go trips but just slide a tight end out instead of using a trips package so he could motion the tight end in use it on some motion blocking stuff like that so you actually if you go back and watch his film from florida state you'll see a 245 pound guy that's actually pretty mobile i mean he's pretty i don't want to say like he's not a basketball player mobile but for his size he has good feet he's pretty mobile uh i always thought his hands were great that was like I don't know. Some people disagreed with me. I don't know what his drop stats are, but I, I was really excited for him going into last year. I thought under Mike Norvell, um, you know, with Tamori and Terry on the outside and Trey McKitty kind of being that, you know, skinny post type inside receiver slash tight end. But, you know, he, he made a business decision. And I look, if you have the opportunity to play at University of Georgia over, you know, your third head coach in three years and, you know, just winning five games, I get it. But for translation to the NFL, you know, I think it's going to come down to how how y'all use your tight end. I mean, you know, what are y'all looking for? More of a run blocker or more of a pass catcher? Yeah, I mean, it's blocking for sure. I mean, the coach specifically said that when they brought him in. The guys they have can all catch. None of them can block. They're looking for a blocking tight end to be sure. I, I mean, I think that's the number one obvious reason for the pick. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Then I'd say, yeah, that 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 does surprise me. I wouldn't really consider him a blocking tight end. I mean. I think he's about, uh, I could probably see it here. I, I think he's about 245. Yeah. Yeah. They got almost at 246. So, I, you know, I don't know. To me, that's that's a little undersized if you're going to just utilize him as a blocker. But, you know, again, I, I think he's more athletic than Georgia let him show he is. And if they think they saw enough good tape of him blocking at Georgia, I mean, you can't get a better place to prove your blocking skills than the SEC. So I, you know, probably trust the guys that make a lot more money than I do to evaluate these guys. <laughs> you were talking a little bit before we, we got on and you, you admitted that Trey McKitty was a guy that you really liked. I mean, what part of his skill set kind of you do you like most and why do you think he translates well to the NFL? He's just a guy that knows. So two things, one, I can measure one. I can't. Um, I think 
he was great at kind of finding his opening, right? Like you go back to, we've had a lot of great tight ends at Florida state. Nick O'Leary was the best at knowing where to sit down. I thought Trey McKitty really had that skill. I think back to the Virginia game, probably the most pivotal game in Willie Taggart's career. He ran the best, like whatever you call it. I don't know in the NFL, you know, the best little kind of dig route just stops right there at 10 yards wide open ball gets thrown at his feet that, you know, he was so good at those kind of routes um, and knowing where to find this, how to find the sticks, knowing how to sit down right between the gap and the zone. He just had that kind of instinctual route running. I think the thing I can't really measure is, you know, on his like, I don't know, 20, what do you have our last year? 23 catches. I always felt like he was the guy we could count on when we needed someone whose hands were going to hold on to the ball. You know, you just knew Blackman could find McKitty. It's like, just, he kind of has that, that X factor, you know, he doesn't, he's good under pressure. The moment doesn't get too big. Not that there were too many of those when we only won five games, but like he was the name where when you saw him open, you got excited because you knew he wasn't going to freaking drop it. Yeah. I mean, that is something to get excited about. Yeah. I didn't necessarily understand the whole issue with drops. I didn't see a lot. Admittedly, I didn't watch every game, but I thought he had pretty strong hands on most occasions. And I think for Charger fans, especially, you know, as we said, they were looking for a blocking tight end. If you're, you know, he had a ton of blocking snaps when he was at Georgia on account of him having only six receptions. So you got to see him block a ton. The willingness is there. The aggression is there. But I do think that he is getting slept on a little bit as a receiver. So I'm glad to hear you say those things. Obviously, the zone coverage awareness is something that I saw a lot. Even last year at Georgia, I mean, times where he's opening up a little bit down the seam. He's just not getting seen type of thing. But he had the most production as a receiver during his time at Florida State. We talked about the fact that he's a good athlete. So do you think he is someone that will be seen, you know, eventually at the NFL level as a receiving threat? Just because you, I mean, as we're talking about now, it seems like you think that might be the you know stronger of his skills. You know, I would have to think so. I mean, I think, you know, I'm, I'm cheating right now, but, you know, even the NFL, the, the first strength, right? Fairly athletic and fluid as a pass catcher win at Florida State, right? So we, again, I think Taggart, if you want to be like a tight end and you want good film of you as an athlete, Willie Taggart is a great guy to play football under. He Versatility he, uh, too. Exactly. Um, you know, you also got to remember, McKinney was coming off of an injury at Georgia. So I wonder how – and. Frankly, they didn't really need him. They already had a phenomenal team. So I wonder how much of that was just, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he was at 100% all year, anything sure. like that. I don't want to speculate. I'm sure the medical doctors cleared him. I am not a medical doctor. But, yeah, I would look for him definitely to develop. I mean, he's an athlete. And you're, when you have athletes on your roster, you're going to use them how you can use them. So. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers seem to love players from Florida State. I mean, they got a couple of guys on the roster, guys like Derwin James and Gabe Neighbors, obviously Asante Samuel Jr. I forgot, and now yeah, fullback Trey Gabe. McKitty. Yeah, so who are some of the players that the Chargers should keep an eye on entering the 2022 draft next year? Oh, man, that is a that is a great question. So we have great. I said great this time, not good. But uh, we have this group of guys that our podcast, Locked On Seminoles, have dubbed the Immortals. Have you all seen the movie 300? I assume. Absolutely. Yes. Men of, of a certain age, you've seen that movie. You know, the Immortals that come in, like right. not really Persian. They're these crazy mercenaries. We've yeah, had like, like five, gods. Exactly. So we've had yeah. like five dudes in the transfer portal. 
that have come in. They're here for one year. We just got another one, a sixth one from Notre Dame offensive lineman. But I would look for Jermaine Johnson. He's going to be an incredible edge rusher. He's actually transferred to us, uh, I think, from Georgia this year. Is he Georgia or South Carolina? I don't know. He looked incredible in the spring game. He is a big physical SEC type pass rusher. Just got into Florida State. He's going to be here one year. We're hoping that we get a lot of production out of him. I heard y'all say uh, on your pod, you need some defensive linemen, maybe someone on the other side to help out Joey Bosa. So I think of anyone on our team, that's the guy that's probably going to be the, the, the bell of the ball, at least from our team's perspective in the 2022 draft. Yeah, especially after a couple guys, you know, Kando gets taken this year, another edge rusher from them gets taken this year. So there's obviously going to be some snaps available, but super grateful to have Max Moody on the show with us today. Definitely gave you guys some insight into a couple Florida State Seminoles in their time in college. And I think a couple of guys that could have, you know, pretty big roles for the Chargers this season. Guys, we're going to see a lot. So, Max, thanks again, man. I know you'll be on speed dial for any time. We need to, I mean, we didn't even talk about Derwin James. He was just, you know, the greatest. But we can talk about Derwin all day. You call me <laughs> up, I will, I will give y'all full, three full segments on Derwin James. I love that man. Well, when Derwin James comes back this year healthy, and we're going to definitely bring back Max Moody to just kind of rub it in everybody's faces. We'll pull up some <laughs> old tweets of anyone who ever doubted him and do something like that so we can actually put everyone in their place. But Max, thanks again. If you guys don't already, if you're a fan of the ACC, if you're a fan of the Florida State Seminoles, you know where to go. You can find him on Twitter at Knowles Anonymous. We're talking with Max Moody. Thank you again for your time, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Happy to be here. All right. Well, another special thank you to Max Moody from the Locked on Seminoles podcast. Definitely excited to bring him back on to just have a Derwin James Appreciation Day, especially if he can come back and stay healthy this year. We can kind of rub it in everyone's faces that ever doubted that man because that man is um, just an absolute freak. But that is going to do it for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed that, and we will stay. We will keep bringing you guys experts on some of the guys the Chargers drafted. I really liked what we've been able to do with that so far. But also, guys, make sure to check back in with us tomorrow because this schedule is getting dropped tonight. And if you guys don't have any plans, we have something that you guys can be doing. We're going to be coming out with videos about the Chargers' easiest part of their schedule, the easiest W, the toughest stretch, and much more. And we will be going live at Locked On NFL Pods on Twitter. You can catch me or David on there discussing the Chargers schedule. And then we'll be back with you guys tomorrow to break it down. We'll probably have a bunch of schedule stuff over the next couple of days. So make sure to check back in with us. But until then, make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find us on the new Odyssey app. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you are having any issues with Apple Podcasts, you can always find us at any of those other places. And if you guys like the show, make sure to rate and review as well so we can keep this thing going. But you can also find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Locked On Chargers. You can find our Facebook page, Locked On Chargers. And for us personally, you can find us on Twitter at for me, Dan Talk Sports, and for David Drotalk SD, as well as the show's page, Locked On LAC. But we appreciate you guys checking out the show. Appreciate Max Moody for coming on and giving us some insight to a couple of former Seminoles. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.